Welcome to another episode of Cardboard Fever. Joining Matt and I today is the legendary man behind Midwest Box Breaks, Ben. Ben, first off, thanks for joining, and you are our very first guest. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So I don't I don't know where to start. I have I have plenty of questions, but in the interest of time. How did you get into collecting cards to begin with? Has it been a, a, a lifelong journey? And, and, and where did it all, where did the love for collecting start for you? Um, I think I bought my first pack in 83. It was 83 tops. Uh, went down to the gas station, bought a pack, brought them back, opened them up, and just was kind of hooked with the basics of, you know, sorting teams and looking at the cards or whatever. And then, uh, Took the cards to school. My friends went nuts. I had a Tony Gwynn. I had a Jesse Barfield. And uh, I sold one of the cards, and I bought, I think I bought two more packs. And then uh, uh was kind of hooked from there. And then uh, I actually told Jesse Barfield that story and then uh, let him know that I traded his card. He wasn't, uh, he laughed. I mean, it was through DMs or whatever. But um, so, yeah, I collected um, up through high school kind of stopped adulthood came through and took over so i bought a pack here and there you know i think i got a box for christmas that i ripped and things like that but they just kind of went to the back burner and uh, i got back in i'll say maybe three three and a half years ago and uh wow things have changed so that's kind of where we are yeah things have definitely changed i think i pretty much followed the same trajectory as you the only time i really didn't collect much was during college and even then we'd still get the you know box for my dad for christmas and whatnot so uh i like it matt i'll i'll turn it over to you well i don't want to say i took the exact same trajectory uh as you guys but i kind of did i i got into cards when i was a lot younger and i also took a little bit of sabbatical my question for you is what what made you get back into it you know, I um, I was talking to a, a coworker friend, and we just kind of I got to a point where things kind of settled down for me, and um, found I had a little bit of extra time, and I, you know, just got out the cards and started looking around and um, talked to a friend that you know had still been in collecting, and um, you know, I bought a few packs and we talked, and you know, I've always followed sports; that's never stopped, but. Um, uh, once I kind of saw how things had, had blown up a little bit and, and had changed a little bit, uh, it, he turned me on to breaking, uh, watch, getting in breaks and watching breaks and stuff. And I was instantly hooked. I'm, I'm a little bit of a gambler too, as it is. So I kind of like that piece of it. And um, I got in it. I enjoyed it. Um, it kind of, I think like a lot of people, you know, hey, I'm going to buy into breaks and I'm going to make it my thing and sell cards on Twitter and kind of have it as a as a side thing and as i got to thinking about it i felt like there were some pieces missing because i've always you know like the other side of things you know how to how do people process their cards and cycle them through sell them get back in the breaks and and kind of do the the full run of both sides of collecting and um once i decided to start doing breaking and, and set up our group whether it's twitter or discord or whatever um, I really wanted to focus on that other piece of it because after a few months of breaking, what I had was a ton of mail days, a bunch of boxes full of cards, and quickly realized that it's so much easier to buy than it is to sell. 
and turn those unwanted cards back into, you know, funds and resources to get back into breaks and get the stuff I wanted. So that's kind of how we came about. I didn't want to just be, you know, a breaker. You, you buy a spot, I open up on camera, I ship them to you and a story. I really wanted it to, to be a community for people like me who were, you know, returning collectors and especially new people getting in for the first time. Cool. So it seems like, uh, there were a few factors that ended up getting you back in, into the hobby as well as one of my favorites is being a gambler as I am as well. Uh, but to follow up my question on that is, was there a specific brand or a specific player that got you back into it? Like me, I'm a, I'm a Penn Stater, but I'm also a diehard Eastern Michigan fan. And once Max Crosby got in the league and he got cards out, that's essentially what got me back into it. Uh, I don't know if there was a, a specific player. I'm a Yankees and 49er fan. Um, you know, when Kaepernick came into the league, I bought some Kaepernick stuff just to say I had it. Um, yeah, I don't know if there was a specific. I think once I got a taste of it after being gone for so long, it, it kind of rejuvenated that uh, that spark. And, and anybody that's opened a box or a pack knows that feeling when you crack those open and um, it's like riding a bike. Once you get back on it, it it's yeah. like you never left. And, and, you know, buying one box, you know, at, at the store turns into buying four boxes and then the breaking yeah. piece of it just makes it that much more crazy. And, you know, when you're hooked, you're hooked and, and that's, that's how it is. And I've really tried to, again, steer people away from just buying, buying, buying and having a bunch of stuff they didn't want. And, and that's kind of like with some of the things we do, the trading and, and the PC collection. And I've always had this gift where once I meet somebody, even coworkers, things like that, where I kind of remember, Hey, that's a Seahawks guy. Hey, that guy collects the Indians and the Browns and, and things like that. And, and that appealed to me too, that you meet so many people. And, you know, before when I collected, there wasn't social media. So, you know, that made it even worse that I could get on Twitter and, you know, hey, this guy is a Mattingly guy too. And, hey, this guy, you know, is showing off product on Twitter or YouTube or whatnot. And, and again, social media makes it so much more easy to get the information and, and look at cards and, and to network with people. So it has made the quarantining a little bit more bearable some days when I can just sit there and scroll through a Midwest box breaks buy sale trade thread or, or one of the, the various things going on. And uh, my wife puts on whatever she wants on TV. And I, for the, that's probably the only days I don't complain about what's on TV in, in the house is when I can scroll through social media for, for a mindless amount of hours, just looking and buying and selling. So brings me to my next question in, you know, Midwest, Midwest box breaks now is, you know, 13,000 plus Twitter followers, a huge discord channel. There's YouTube, there's the website where you buy the breaks. There's probably even more than that. That's, that's not even coming to mind. So when you took this, you know, re-entry into the, to the hobby and started doing breaks on yourself, when, when did it really take off where you kind of felt like, Hey, there's, I, I really have something good going here. Well, you know, early on, if you watch one of our 
one of my first break videos. I mean, it was a dumpster fire. I think I apologize a hundred times. Um, really, I think for me, it, and we have a little catchphrase, you know, we always share in our group that, you know, it's more, more than cards. And, and honestly, the cards are a fraction of what we're about. We're about that community, those friendships, the relationships, the networking and stuff. And as that started to grow, we've just had things that, um, for me, if you just took the, the flat baseline of just getting in and doing breaks, it, I think I've seen a couple growth spurts, I'll call them. And I think probably the entire hobby felt that too. And the first one was Gary V and yep. love him or hate him. I've, I've seen both, but Gary V, I met him at national. Great guy. Um, super nice guy. He answered my DMs. He started following me. We, we chatted a few times, but I think there was a pop once he um, started promoting cards a lot more. Um, Phil Hughes, another great guy, um, all the work that he's done and he's done some stuff with him. And I, I talked to him, you know, periodically and then the pandemic, I mean, it sucks to take something positive out of something that's so terrible, but people were home with nothing to do. And I, I think it really registered to me that it truly wasn't just about cards because, you know, I've got tons of DMs from people that say, you know, Hey, thank you. I had nothing else to do. This is, you know, it, it's therapeutic in some ways, everything from the sound of the, the packs opening to just being able to go into the chat room. Hey guys, I had a crap day. And, you know, um, your buddy that's also in the room with you knows that you're, you know, a Yankees fan or whatever. Hey, I just won this card in a break. Hey, go ahead and rack, you know, donate this to uh, to Ben or whoever. And we lift people's spirits. And, and again, just the messages, the Christmas cards and things like that, it's really grown from there. And, and you see a lot of flexing now, and, and people are proud of their cards, and, and that's an accomplishment. People work hard for the money. But really the, the juice we're getting in our little community, in our environment is – you know, we just had um, a guest on last night, uh, Kimmy from Twitter, who had her son Jeffrey, yeah. who posted yeah. on our our Lasiggy thread, love it, share it, grow it, and uh, they were swamped with with mail days from that, and, and she was moved to tears, and and that's when I, you know, I've had several instances like that where we knew we had something special that it wasn't just about cards and coming in and flipping and making a profit and showing off your personal hits and accomplishments and things like that. And, and as people were more vocal that they were glad they found us, I think that's how we really knew that uh, this thing was really going to take off. And it has, it's been crazy. Yeah. I loved, I, I enjoyed watching last night's, I caught a, caught a couple of minutes in between uh, getting some things done. So my, my very quick follow up to that is first off. Yes. I love, there are people that I've, started talking to this year in the hobby that when I'm having a rough day and I text somebody cause my wife is still busy with work and it's, you know, it's a whole nother group of friends that I've made that I, that I've grown to appreciate this year. And, and, you know, the Midwest box breaks community is definitely part of that. So, you know, you, you do a lot with Phil Hughes and, and a couple other guys. How did you first get connected with Phil other than, you know, he was on the Yankees and you're a Yankees fan. I'm guessing maybe that's how it started, but how did, how did that come about? You know, I think 
I think Phil is just easily accessible on on Twitter. Mainly, he's on Instagram too, but uh, before when it was just Twitter, um, he's just accessible. He's a guy that will answer tags and and you know you throw out the fact that you know he was a major league pitcher and a World Series champion and made a boatload of money. I'm sure and he's he's a collector too and and he's a, a fan of the game and again same thing with Gary V. Um, you know he's a collector too. You know, I, I saw a lot of his older cards from when he collected as a kid at, at Nashville. I think I bought one of his Mattingly's from him too. But, um, it, but you know, with Phil too, just he was out there and got to talking and, you know, one tag led to another and we got him in a break. And, you know, then him and I did a Bowman's Best collaboration break last year. He brought in a wave of people, you know, that got into our breaks. And, you know, we did that again this year. And um, I believe he'll be at National assuming it happens in Chicago this summer. But uh, that's kind of where that started. And it just kind of, I think where people make mistakes, and I'm sure you guys see this a lot too, where you get a blind cold call DM that says, hey, do you want to buy this? Or, you know, out of nowhere where, you know, you truly have to to build that bridge first before you come in. And and people do it to me too. And I'm not saying I'm anything great, but, you know, if somebody totally out of the blue and sometimes they don't even follow you know, try to sell you something or, you know, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And you've got to establish that relationship first. But, uh, and then after that, just everything he's done and a great guy and he's been generous with his time and with his collection and his cards and everything. And, and, uh, that, that helped a lot too. But again, take out the fact that he played baseball and just, just a regular great guy. So uh, very blessed to um, to know him really. I was always a big fan when he was still pitching for the Yankees as I'm a Yankees fan myself. Go ahead, Matt. The Rays are still better, but that's okay. That's, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing. Um, you it almost sounded like you said the Rays are better. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, I, I want to bring you back to something you mentioned earlier in the, um, the interview. Um, just first a comment and then a question. Uh, you mentioned just getting to know different people through the, the hobby and, you know, getting to make different people feel good about themselves by throwing in an extra card here and there. That's essentially what I like to do, too. Whenever I get an order, whether it's a Pokemon order or a baseball order, if I know a guy likes the Yankees, I always try to throw an extra card in just for a freebie because I people did that for me when I first started getting back into it, and I thought that sure. was really neat. And it just it puts a smile on my face when I get an extra card. So I, I know that it's probably going to put, put a smile on someone else's face. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. I got an extra card that he thought about me to do that. But my my question for you is, um, what's what's the best piece of advice you can give to someone just getting into the hobby, whether it's for if they want to sell like Raz or if they want a PC? Because there's so many fans out there and there's so many sports out there. It's It's a little bit overwhelming. If um, you don't know what you're looking for, you know what I mean? Sure. I would say, first off, no matter what you do and what your goal is to do something that makes you happy and makes you feel good and something that's healthy for your budget and your lifestyle and your family situation. And and I think I the error mistake I, I see a lot of people make is I think they chase what they see everybody else chasing. And in a lot of those cases, if you're doing that to make money, you're kind of already on the outside 
and everybody's got to jump on you in some cases. But, um, and I saw this a lot when I first came back because I was in a couple Facebook groups where, you know, a guy posts a card and there's three or four people, oh, that card's worth 10 bucks. Well, who cares? If the card makes you happy, and I've got, um, we intentionally just stockpile all kinds of stuff for throw-ins for people. Hey, this guy's a Cardinals fan. You know, he got the Phillies in a random, here, let me throw in this Molina number to 100 for him or something like that, just to kind of, to give him that little boost. But again, it, it comes down to doing what makes you happy and then sticking within your budget and you just have to find something that works for you. And and I think people create situations for themselves where you see a post, Hey, I, I've got this bill or I've got this other card. I want, I need to hurry up and sell this card. Well, a week ago you were going nuts because this was your dream card, your Holy grail, and now you're ready to move it. So I, I think sometimes people need to lay out a plan a little better and say, you know, when I'm back in, you know, I want to check out some cheap football. I want to check out some cheap basketball. Maybe it gets them back into sports. Um, you know, I've had a couple situations where, you know, I watch things closer, you know, as I rip basketball and hockey and not familiar with all the players and the names and stuff. And, you know, it creates enjoyment and enrichment in your life to, to bring a sport in you weren't used to. But I really think people don't try to keep up with everybody else and start with, are you enjoying what you're doing? If it's something you're doing with your kids, don't worry about, Hey, I don't own any decent cards or, or anything like that. And if you're in it just to sell and make a profit, I guarantee you won't enjoy it as much if there's not something you're actually collecting for yourself. So that's a really long answer. No, that, that makes a, um, 110% sense, Ben. And I, I appreciate you answering that. Um, and while I, I don't want to steal I'm probably going to steal Mike's question by asking you this, but you brought the, you kind of brought the term up yourself, the Holy Grail. What what are some of your Holy Grail cards that you have or don't have? Well, Sorry, I guess Mike. my um, I guess my dream card, you know, would be a '52 Topps Mantle. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, you know, I guess if I really wanted to, there'd probably be a way to. To, to get one, but you know, I, I don't, if you, if you fulfill that dream too early, then what? And really I've gotten to the point and I don't have a huge collection. I think because I get a lot of satisfaction out of pulling awesome cards for other people. And people may say that's corny, cheesy, or unbelievable oh. or whatever, but I don't, uh, and you guys may not, if you haven't followed me long enough, I don't know if you saw like the huge trout videos I made and, and the pictures yeah. where I just had miles of trout cards. You know, really there was one weekend in March where I felt like trout was undervalued and not getting any attention. And I thought he was a safe play and a no, no brainer. And I cleaned out a bunch of trout cards that I could find. And then really what I did was I sold them to people that wanted a trout card and they got them way under comps. You know, I might've made, 20, 50 bucks a card, maybe even a hundred bucks on, on trout rookies. They got a deal. Everybody was happy. And I enjoyed, you know, completing those missions. And in some cases, people were even on payment plans with me. So that's cool. And, and the trouts continued to go up and it wasn't about, you know, the flex of, Hey, look at all these trouts. I got rid of every single one of them. I don't own one trout rookie now. 
and I had, I mean, it was a crap ton. I don't even remember how many, but that was, that was kind of my juice, my action. But, um, so the mantle, um, I've got pretty much any Mattingly, um, I'm kind of a vintage guy. I love any old Mantle, Maris, Yogi, old Yankees. Um, I'm a huge Mattingly fan. That's my PC. But but I don't need 5,000 of the same Mattingly cards because it just – Right. I know that when I'm done collecting, whatever happens to me, you know, my family, hey, here's a binder with 600 Mattingly's in it. What are they going to do with it? Yeah. So yeah. not to be that yeah. cold and callous about it, but – and, and I get why people put together rainbows and have a hundred of the same card and, and whatnot, but it's just not my thing. And again, it comes down to do what makes you happy. But um, I'm a Niners fan. I've got a Montana rookie. Uh, there's not a lot of stuff out there that I go crazy for. I've got some, one of my favorite cards is a one of one Jeter and Phil Hughes because I got, you know, people, <laughs> people probably steered away because they didn't want a card that had, fill on it with a Jeter. I got a deal on it. Now it's probably one of my favorite cards. It's a one of one. And they're both, they're both, you know, it's an autograph for Jeter and Phil. So um, I've got a, it came from 16 Pantheon, I think Panini Pantheon. It's a book. It's got um, relics from Murderer's Row, Babe Ruth, um, Lou Gehrig, Bob Musil, Yankees. And um, I pulled it for Jared in our group. And he wanted, he had the Yankee spot. Well, the guys um, in my Discord group bought the card off of him from behind my back and then presented it to me. said, hey, we got that card for you. And that was really, that was one of the moments that I was choked up the most. And somebody could offer me 20 times what that card's worth right now, and I wouldn't sell it. And that'd be one of my favorites. Because, you know, when you're a true collector, it's the story attached to the card. And we've got a lot of people in our group that are like that too, that, you know, that card means something to them because of the story behind it. And, and I don't, those are kind of the cards I look for. And um, yeah, but my kryptonite is anything old vintage mantles, again, Roger Maris, things like that. I think because when I was a kid, they were, they were not a, a, a obtainable, you know, you live in a small town, no internet, you know, you'd go to the show once in a while. And, you know, when you're a young kid, you know, mowing yards for money and stuff, you weren't buying mantles, you know. You guys will both appreciate this. And I've Matt, you might have heard this before, but my dad collected cards when he was a kid, big Mickey Mantle fan. At some point in his teenage years, I think, or maybe when he moved back to to closer to the Philly area where I am, uh, my grandmom threw out all 200 something of his Mickey Mantle cards. And we wow. think there are a few, more than a few that were in the 1950s. So times like, uh, you know, earlier today or this week, whenever it was, when the, the Mantle sold for $5 million, <laughs> I, I always call my dad just, just uh, as a sanity check to make sure he's not like, you know, make sure, make sure he's, he's calm and he's not going too crazy. But it's uh yeah so i'll wrap it up with with one last question here i i do appreciate all your time again ben it's been a lot of fun getting to talk to you here as we start up this show you've got a lot going on in 2021 what are some of the things you're most excited about with midwest box breaks that might be coming in 21 if if you can talk about it um well 
short term, um, I've got, uh, I, and it wasn't anything that I worked out an agreement with them, but I'm doing a, some upcoming breaks for the Barstool Fund. And I kind of just took that on myself. And actually, uh, Dave Portnoy retweeted it, uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, I've gotten some boxes from my friend Mikey B from Mikey B's Cards. And then uh, Tops jumped in. Uh, we picked up Panini today. Uh, we picked up Leaf today. So they're going to be donating stuff. I'm big on any kind of charity event. Um, our friends at Rip and Gypsy, we're going to uh, team up with them and several other great people in the hobby for Ripping for the Cure for Crohn's and Colitis. Um, we've done stuff for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I love any charity thing. Um, so there'll be a bunch of those coming up too. Uh, I'm excited for national. I hope it happens. People wear your masks, do whatever you can make sacrifices now so we can all go to national. Um, really trying to organize that effort and meet a bunch of people from our group. There's so much good that can come out of those meetings. I had a great time, um, the year before, you know, the last one we had in Chicago, uh, met my friend Kedrick, who's now a full-time employee and teammate here with me. So he's in the background. Uh, sorting cards and putting stacks together and whatnot. So uh, really just increasing those relationships and, and bringing people into our family and just continuing to grow and share our vision and our message. Again, it sounds corny and cult-like, but once people are in, I mean, you've kind of seen it a little bit yeah. in the in the time that you've been in there. Um, you know, we want to move people and, and change their lives and make an impact. You know, we had a guy that was in a $10 you know, mini entry to win a, a bigger break spot. And he pulled that Dominguez one of one out of Sapphire that who knows what it could go for. I think at one point, you know, the offers were in the forties somewhere. So we'll see what, what actually happens with it, but just continuing to collect those stories and, and grow and be involved in, in more cool stuff. And, you know, we had Pedro Gomez from ESPN on our show, you know, within the last month or two. And, and again, just building those bridges with people in the hobby and just, uh, you know, nothing crazy, no lofty, you know, empire, world domination, Cobra kind of plans, but just just trying to, you can call them from the 80s, but uh, just trying to grow the group and, and be a positive force in the hobby and just show people that, you know, it's not just about, you know, making money. It's about your collection and being happy and making friends along the way. So, again, another long answer, but you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it. I love it. Honestly, I'm leaving this excited to edit and, and mix it up because this has kind of energized my 2021 after a, a slow start. So listen, again, we, we both wholeheartedly appreciate the time. We'll be retweeting, especially all of the charity stuff you're doing. I'll make sure to retweet that at least more than once. And uh, hopefully we look forward to talking again at some point this year and, and best of luck with everything, man. Stay safe. Yeah. I'd love to check in with you occasionally if you, yeah. when you're ready to go and you want to post a link in uh, discord or anything on Twitter. I'm happy to retweet it. and Let's uh, get this thing off the ground, man. I, I appreciate that immensely. Thank you very much and uh, have a good night. Hey, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks. All right. Thank you. See you. Thanks, Ben.